Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. For your next date night or client breakfast, whether you're heading to the airport or your anniversary. No matter the event, black is always in style. The all-new Uber Black now offers premium vehicles, highly rated professional drivers, and even the ability to request a quiet ride. Uber Black. Predictably premium. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Jay Davis. I think there's I think there's several things, and this is I think one we over idolize billionaires. Uh, we think that billionaires are like the smartest people in the world. They know everything, and, and you look at people like Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's a, Zuckerberg is a person. He's smart in some ways, but he also says stupid stuff. Like I mean, he said. Um, if you missed part one, please go back and, and hear about how his ad agency and his previous work, he's been able to get 200 million views for his clients' videos across YouTube and Facebook and driven $150 million in revenue. And, and his new Kickstarter for his own idea, uh, they ran a little test last week, and in 48 hours they reached their goal for selling $10,000 of a, of a pillow that's basically a cube for side sleepers. Um, Jay, kind of... Picking up where we left off at the end of episode one, um, when you think about this thing of, you know, the outside perception is that entrepreneurs take risks and they like risk and they, they're they attracted to risk, where, you know, in our perception, really great entrepreneurs are constantly trying to control risk. Yeah. And, like, I think when I look at people who um, wish they were entrepreneurs but can never take the step, I feel like it's like they're trying to avoid risk where yeah. entrepreneurs are trying to take appropriate risk or they're trying to control risk yeah. instead of just take avoid it risk. at all costs yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, in episode one, we talked about, you know, talking to people about it, creating a crappy prototype, talking to more people about it, making a good prototype. Now you made this, you know, short video, wrote it an hour, filmed it in your own office with your own people and, and hit your goal. Um, what's next? Where, as you think about this, like, okay, we, you know, we can a we've got something people actually like b we we know that the way we talk about it actually attracts people to part with dollars yeah, yeah. right you've 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 confirmed some pretty critical assumptions at at a you know um you know frankly at a smaller scale oh, yeah. right this is not yeah. right um as you as you've seen so many of your clients where they spend a few hundred grand to make a few million and then the other ones who drink their own Kool-Aid and and get wrapped up in their own thing rather than have yeah. real feedback and, and end up wasting money. How do you plan out your next steps? What's what's next? Well, I think there's I think there's a couple things in there. I, I think the first thing, just going to risk. I mean, all all the things we do in life are risks, and I think that entrepreneurs, in many ways, just are really good at understanding that. That they understand that everything's a risk. Like planting a seed is a risk because you might lose that seed. You know, everything follows that kind of principle of like of sowing and reaping. Um, you know, if you really want to do something, you got to start somewhere. You got to you got to kind of figure out how do I start. 
Um, and so I think that's a challenge for a lot of people is they're like, hey, how do I... They, they see entrepreneurs and they want to have that success, but they're unwilling to take any risk. And it's like, as an entrepreneur, I'm constantly taking risk, but I'm always measuring that risk. I'm always uh, kind of asking myself, is this a smart risk? And so for me with Pillow Cube, you know, our business is successful enough that spending money, uh, you know, spending five, 10 grand developing an idea isn't crazy for us. We can do that. Um, and it was an appropriate amount of risk for me. It was, it was something I'm like, Hey, I can spend some money to just see if this works. Um, where for someone who's maybe personally spending their own money, maybe a thousand dollars is kind of their limit. But what I've noticed about entrepreneurship is you, the, the risk you need to take to get to the next level will always stretch you. Like it will always be, you know, I could have gone and done something else. I could have gone and, you know, bought a dirt bike or a side by side, you know, these fun things that we talk about, like. I could have gone and spent that money on a thing or I can spend that money on something that will potentially make me a lot of money and I'm willing to take that risk because I want to find out. And so I think that's an important principle for people is like anytime you're hoping to get a huge reward, there is going to be a risk. Uh, You know, some of the people we've been interviewing for this new mini series, almost all of these entrepreneurs have talked about this, that like as they, they level up in their, in their career as an entrepreneur, they take bigger and bigger and bigger risks that are scary still. Like They, they still stretch them. Okay. But I, <clears throat> we've had a bunch of like action sports athletes and on the show, high performers and stuff, yeah. right? And one of the things that that makes me think about is you bring up dirt biking, right? I, yeah. just, got my, I just got a new dirt bike. Yep. I'm stoked to become better at dirt biking. But it's not like, you know, I've been snowboarding since I was a little kid. I've been skateboarding yeah, yeah. all these years. You know, like all those things that I've got, This this is like... I've done it enough to know I love it, but I've got a long road ahead of me to, yeah. for mastery. To, to re- yep. And um, I think about, you see it in skateboarding, you see it in motocross, wh- or, or just free riding. Of, um, you get people who, they, they do just the tiniest little bit, and they get false confidence, yep. and then they overshoot. You yep. know, it's the guy who, you know, the kid that's never stuck a three-stair jump, you know, ollie. Right? Yeah, he's never he's never done a three stair ollie, but he thinks he's going to go kickflip a seven stair. Yeah, and that's like, you know, at that level you are getting to like you know break your arm kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, there's like wipeouts that take people out for weeks from from a seven stair. This doesn't sound like a lot. Yeah, but you're you know basically jumping your body height in some cases. And, and I think or, that's that key idea of like the stair analogy is is like in entrepreneurship in sports. You need to, hey, don't worry about step 50. Like when you buy your dirt bike, you're not worried about eventually backflipping, you know, over a, a 40-foot jump. But what is like that step one? And, and I agree. Like I'm amazed how many times people are scared of entrepreneurship because they're like, well, this friend of mine, you know, just went and got a million-dollar loan. And, and it's like, well, that's crazy. Like that's the wrong first step. And so you have to take steps in an order. And so that's any new venture for me, even with pillow cube, I, I didn't say let's go drop 200 grand of our money into this. Um, because I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Um, but I am willing to say, Hey, what's a reasonable amount that if I lose, it's like, Oh, that sucks. That wasn't fun to lose, but it's not going to like ruin my life. And so if you're, you know, a full-time employee and you're saying, Hey, I want to do something. I want to start a business. I want to be kind of an entrepreneur in my own life. 
it's like, well, what's the amount that you can lose, but also stretches you and spend that amount of money doing your idea. Like go out and do it. Stop talking about it. But, but it's so easy to be objective about other people's plans. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I had a young entrepreneur that I've been advising kind of for free on the side who, uh, was running some ideas past me recently and it was like he would have to quit his job spend every penny of their family's money they've got three little kids uh, and borrow and he's never had anyone give him any money for that at all it's like it's a hundred percent in his head so far yeah (laughs) i was just like without trying to force him i was like really trying to invite him to pump the brakes on that yeah do you know what i mean like can we get some validation here right and I can so easily see that for him. And then I'm about to make the same mistake. You know, quickly on the motocross one, because this yeah. is a real scenario. Yeah. Um, buddy of mine had a couple of bikes. We started riding his his dirt bikes together. Um, first time, one of the first times I was ever on a motocross track ever, and he'd been on more than me. We're doing laps and we're doing little jumps and stuff. And somebody's got one of those free ride, like X game jumps, you know. And it wasn't oh, like yeah. a... Yeah. You know, where it's like the metal metal frame yep. and then there's a big gap and then there's a dirt hill to jump onto, right? And it wasn't the most enormous ones from the X Games, but it was like, it was taller than I was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it had to be eight yeah. feet or something. Yeah. Right? Eight, ten feet, the just the metal part. And then there was a good, you know, I, I would say 20 feet, maybe 16 feet. Yeah. From the top of the metal to the top of the, to the, to the kind of the crown of the the dirt yeah. pile right yeah and he goes you think i can do that and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> what in your experience makes yeah. you think you can do that? no like yeah. uh, i don't know man that's that's pretty big that's like you know quadruple the biggest thing we've done yeah out here today at least maybe five times yeah. the biggest thing we've done out here today <laughs> yeah. like uh and you know he's got a powerful 450 you know yeah. that's a big bike and uh he's like i'm gonna do it and and he does it and he lands it and he's full of false confidence he's like i'm gonna do it again i'm like dude that was not a solid jump yeah like, you sure you don't want to like stare you know line by line yeah. you know brick by brick into this you just can keep hitting this like <laughs> yeah you know and sure enough the very next one the, the very next time with this false confidence um he pops up and endo he he lands on the top of the dirt front wheel down endos and all i can see is him going head first over the hill and the bike like obviously coming to land right on him yeah. I'm like, we're headed to the hospital yeah you know and um so almost like you know a lucky win sometimes can can not, sometimes yeah. not even be that helpful right and it, and it's funny i mean I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who had a lucky win you know, straight out of school, but accredited it to their yes, but accredited, accredited it to, to their them. genius, yep, right, and that's and then which they, is honestly hard to separate, yeah, yeah, and that's I mean I think that's where like I, I've also met a lot of entrepreneurs who like you know worked really hard on one for ten years, sold it, and then they're struggling to have that second win, um, and, and you know there's a lot of like well am I a good entrepreneur and, and so. I think but that's it what's goes, always hard. It kind of goes back to that Warren Buffett circle of competence thing. Yeah. You know, think about the George Clash and uh, George Classen book from the fifties or whatever, the the richest man in Babylon. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, the shield maker gives his buddy money to buy and sell gems to the Phoenicians. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. of course the Phoenicians like take his money and give him colored glass instead. Yeah. He's, he's and his mentor's like, 
you're a shield maker. What made you think yeah. that this was this was a smart thing to put a bunch of money into where you have not stair stepped into this? You don't. Yep. It's not in your circle of competence. And the point is, the circle of competence expands. It, it grows. It expands, but it doesn't triple all at once. Yeah. Right. That's where, for me, like even with Pillow Cube, it wasn't. I wasn't afraid to do it because we'd done it enough for clients. At a at a much larger scale to push two more feet to push yeah. one level yeah right to, and so I'd also seen them go and so it was like hey this might be a bad idea but if I don't do it I'm always going to be wondering and it's not an insane risk it's a reasonable amount of risk and so I think that's what I, I think like you said it, people see so much like very they approach problems in a very binary black and white way. Like, well, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I want to be a big entrepreneur. And it's like, well, there's a lot of things to learn. I mean, just as an example, I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel this pressure to be successful really young. And yet the average successful entrepreneur CEO started his business in his 40s. And so for me, it's always been like, hey, I got a lot of time. I have to I have to remind some of my employees that. Well, we all want to be billionaire Zuckerberg before yeah. 30. Yeah. And, I have and to the remind, media tells us that's what success looks like. Yes. And yet your average entrepreneur's story does not look like that. Most entrepreneurial stories look like people who sometimes go to corporate world for a while, sometimes are able to be in startups in different positions, and then eventually kind of get to a point where it's like, hey, I have a great idea. I'm going after it. I mean, even you look at Jeff Bezos, like Jeff Bezos had a great job um, and, and he's been telling this story a lot more and I, maybe I've just been reading it more, but he had a great job and went to his, went to his boss who was a great, he says was a great boss and said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I have this idea. What do you think? And his boss was like, I wouldn't do it. I, I don't think so. And Jeff Bezos says, I, A, knew I, it would drive me crazy if I didn't know. And B, it was a reasonable amount of risk for me. Like it wasn't a crazy risk. He's a smart guy. He could get another job. He'd been in the corporate world enough that if it failed miserably, he could probably, you know, go back and get his old job back or another job. Back to my hero, Warren Buffett, though, of doing things with a margin of safety. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. At some point, there are going to be these do or die moments. Like, that'll come. You don't need to seek them. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you're going to get painted into that corner at some point. And entrepreneurship is all, I mean, there's always moments Gut check. Where, where, yeah, where you like kind of have that. Oh crap! I gotta, I gotta take this risk to go to the next level. Um, and I think that's sometimes what holds entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs, back. Like sometimes we meet entrepreneurs who had a great idea, and they're really afraid to put everything on the line again because they're like, well, now I have a business doing five million dollars a year, and I'm afraid to put all the chips on the table again to get that to a fifty million dollar a year business. And it's like, but that's entrepreneurship. Okay. It's that reasonable risk again. And you know, it's so easy to sit here and talk about what everybody else has done wrong, right? Yeah. The reason I brought up the dirt bike example is uh, because I found, like, I, I literally, you know, I've out of, you know, a dozen plus businesses I've started, two made a bunch of money and like 10 were basically total failures. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I'm, I'm still suffering it. Like, we're so terrible at being objective for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's really been fun for me as I've done CEO coaching, but also had more advisors yeah and and fellow entrepreneurs buddies like you that i call and say hey i'm thinking about this and you go ah what what just what about uh what about this <laughs> you know yeah. and you guys yeah. help me become more objective you know my 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 hero my mentor and my brother uh who i used to run those private equity funds with before we're, we're getting the band back together and we're we're trying to do like 
boring, reliable, cash flowing real estate this time, yeah, right? Yeah. And this spring, we've been ramping up. We've got a $130 million portfolio of multifamily real estate, solid stuff that uh, is off market, where we've got access to. And I've been like, oh, yeah, we can for sure sell this. Let's, let's, let's swing for the fences. And there were some things about starting this new fund yeah. that, that have been like, uh, big gut check, big gut check. And I'm like, and I, and I'm realizing all these assumptions about like, I did it in different regulatory environment. Last time we did this was in Canada, not in the States. Um, you know, uh, where we're at in the market cycle, you know, this is the longest yeah. run we've had in 10 years. Uh, at some point the, the cycle goes to the other side of the cycle Yeah, and these buildings, you know, aren't going to be, the, the tenants aren't going to be until next year. So I'm making crystal ball predictions today about what the market is going to be like a year from now. Yeah. There's not a lot of people made a lot of money being with the crystal ball. Right. And, and that's, I think the key with all entrepreneurship, it is inherently risky. Like it is, I, I don't want to make it sound like I only take very safe risks. I'm constantly taking risks that stretch me, but I think there, it's just that difference between like, it, there's always that risk, but but it's like being reasonable with your risk and, and at least admitting that it's there um, and knowing that it's there and knowing how you're going to kind of try and counterbalance it. And people who just are like, hey, I've never like I think that's one of the disservices we do to students is we're saying, hey, you should create the next Facebook out of college. And it's like, hey, swing for the fences on your very first time at bat in, you know. Yeah, just well, swing this as is hard us. as you can. Do you know, like, I've basically had to lie to myself for months now about like how confident I am. This is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And like two weeks ago, finally, I was like willing to get honest, get to that place of radical self honesty. And I just called my partner. I'm like, I'm not comfortable. Let w- you know what's the what's the smallest thing we can do to verify all these assumptions we're making. Cause it's going to cost a lot to, to yeah. get a fund like that going just in legal fees, yeah. you know, in six months back and forth with the yeah, SEC. Yeah. Right. So instead we're just going to syndicate little $1 million, little yeah. $1 million, uh, asp- like tranches yeah, of yeah. it. And instead of, you know, instead of starting with 130 million bucks, our first one, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get like 300 grand for the down payment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> if that goes according to plan, maybe we'll try to sell three at once or 10 at once or something. Yep. And, and ho- hopefully this gets back to us acquiring the entire portfolio and we've been offered some other properties and stuff, but it, it's funny how, and, and I'd love your insight on this. Why do you think it's so easy for me to spot this when other people talk about it? And then here I am lying to myself for literally, you know, multiple months. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, I think there's several things, and this is, I think one, we over idolize billionaires. Uh, we think that billionaires are like the smartest people in the world. They know everything, and, and you look at people like Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's a, Zuckerberg is a person. He's smart in some ways, but he also says stupid stuff. Like, I mean, he said twenty-year-olds are smarter than forty-year-olds. That's idiotic but he was at the time 20 years old trying to justify how smart he was and so i think that's like a part of the problem is we over idolize these people we think that they know everything you know warren buffett's a super smart guy but he's just a guy like he's not a god and talk about somebody who stair-stepped yeah along the way he started at the bottom and he just worked his way up and now he's taking risks 
that had he taken them even 10 years ago would have been stupid. But now he's taking bigger risks and he's stretching himself and he's going after bigger things um, like all great entrepreneurs. But I think that that's just we over idolize people who have made it and think that they know everything. Like, I mean, you even watch Shark Tank, you watch all these VCs, you talk to VCs and they say, man, I totally missed it on, you know, Allbirds or I missed it on Away or I missed it on Casper. They pitched me and I decided to not go with them or I decided to go with them and I'm surprised it worked. We we just think that because these people have been successful or because an entrepreneur has been successful, they know everything. And I think also part of that over-idealization, we then think that the end goal is being a billionaire. And I think a big part of my entrepreneurial career has just been that realization that like, hey, you don't need a billion dollars to be happy. To be happy. And money does not make you happy. I've learned that. But being also broke like, isn't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. But once you... Once you're comfortable, then it just becomes more yeah, of a game, and, right? Well, and, and that's what I've noticed is like uh, I even had like a really great mentor where I was talking about like ramping up the agency and like how big do I want to grow it? And he was like, well, you know, do you want to go work for these big, big – if you want to go after these really big clients, do you want to be getting calls on like every Saturday, every Sunday? Do you want to be like on call at all hours? Or are you happy with kind of where you're at? And I realized, like, I love my clients. I love working with them. I love being around them. And I love the, the, the kind of what we're able to help them do. And I don't need to look at someone else and say, oh, you know, look at Chiat Day or Whedon Kennedy. Like, I want to be them. And, and instead, I've just learned to be comfortable with, like, this is who I am. This is what I'm great at. I'm great at helping startups go from... You know, a great, good startup to a great startup and help them with that rapid growth. And I'm not going to be someone else, um, you know. And, and, and so I think that, that that's gets, a key part. Doesn't life get easier when we quit trying to be somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Like just, uh, you know, uh, one of my guys always quotes, I think it's Dolly Parton, who says, like, know who you are and then do it on purpose. And <laughs> and that's like the key to life. And it's And I think that's really true. And so. I think that's a big part of it is as people who are considering being an entrepreneur or even just are a leader in their organization, it's important to remember that you don't have to like, think of why you want to get to things. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs want to become billionaires and it's like, when I ask people like, well, why do you want to be a billionaire or why do you want to be, you know, the next Steve jobs? It's usually about ego. Um, because really, you don't need that much money. Like billionaires don't even know what to do with their money. They they have so much money. It's like I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, and and I'm, I'm billionaires give back in a lot of ways. They're reinvesting in businesses. So I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying I think we have this over, uh, kind of overemphasize yeah. this like that. That's the sign of a successful entrepreneur. For me, I love the fact that like I mean I'm. I'm running a marketing agency. I love what I do. I love who I work with. I'm grateful every day for what I get to do. And I think that that's great. Like, I don't need to be well, doing I, something I, bigger yeah. in I love per this se, you know? chain because, like, I still want to be a billionaire and join the giving pledge with, with Warren yeah, Buffett yeah. or something, right? But but um, it is interesting when you start realizing, I don't know, it's so easy to say there's more to life than money. Yeah. But when you're an entrepreneur and your buddies always talk about money, it's pretty yeah. easy to think about money a lot. Yeah. And if you're like the breadwinner for your home and all these things, right? Yeah. And uh, well, then I watched I, like oh, go ahead. Well, I I I got kind of a tentative offer from a client uh, about a month ago, where 
um, you know, salary is a few hundred thousand and I would get immediate equity in their fund. Yeah. And then I realized like, and I'm going to have to keep commuting an hour a day forever. And yeah. the whole reason we just bought this house up in the mountains is for me to spend time with my kids as they're entering these teenage years. Yeah. And like, did it really fit my whole life? Because it was, <laughs> it was kind of nice and it didn't even turn into a full offer yeah. in the end of it, but it was like this, uh, it was this real mental exercise because it seemed like yeah, yeah. it seemed like it was going to be, and and so like and it was tough because it's like instant money, in, instant money. Um, there would be some cachet. They've got kind of a reputation, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it would be kind of cool to have told my friends I'm now a partner at this yep. billion dollar plus firm, Fund. right? Yeah, and uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe if it, maybe if it was a real offer, I would have. I would have been interested for a time or something like that. Yeah. Like you talked about in and out and in and out, whatever. But it did make me think like, okay, this really, this really doesn't match a bunch of the long-term goals that me and my wife and our family have. And I, that I say I'm so committed to. Yeah. Right. I think we're going to cut it off here for part two, but please tune in to part three. Uh, we're going to keep the conversation going. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. For your next date night or client breakfast, whether you're heading to the airport or your anniversary, no matter the event, Black is always in style. The all-new Uber Black now offers premium vehicles, highly rated professional drivers, and even the ability to request a quiet ride. Uber Black. Predictably premium.